you have a copy of God's Word, would you turn to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 26, as we consider God's people getting ready to enter the promised land. And by the way, they had not ever had a crop, so it would be foreign for them to bring a first fruits offering. They were wanderers, but they are going to the promised land. And God is, the passage we're going to consider this morning, God has got very clear instructions for how he is to be worshipped, how he is to be worshipped. There's probably few um, areas that are more confused or misunderstood. You'd have to work pretty hard to find um, areas more misunderstood than what worship is to be. We have tried to, uh, we being the church, in our day and in recent days have tried to um, redefine worship, tried to sort of put man at the center of it, and God blows all that up with his beautiful blueprint for worship. So uh, chapter 26, Lord willing, will study all the way to the end as we consider, listen to this, God has so made a way, and I know I mentioned this in, in the introduction, but if we'll ponder it, what a miracle it is. He has made a way that we can worship him. We can bring authentic worship to him that is pleasing and acceptable in his sight. That is a glorious miracle. Verse 15, I love, we'll get to that in just a minute, but when he reminds us that he is in his holy habitation from heaven, that we can worship in such a way that God in heaven would be pleased. And by the way, we try to do that every Lord's Day here, and we want to grow in our uh, consistency in doing that. The word of the Lord from Deuteronomy 26. Then it shall be when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, and you possess it and live in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you bring in from your land that the Lord your God gives you. and You shall put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare this day to the Lord my God that I have entered the land which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. You shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down to Egypt and sojourned there few in number, but there he became a great, mighty, and populous nation. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us and imposed hard labor on us. And we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror and with signs and wonders. And he has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now behold, I brought the first of the produce of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you and the Levite and the alien who is among you shall rejoice in all the good which the Lord your God has given you and your household. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, you shall give it to the Levite, to the stranger, to the orphan, and to the widow, that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. You shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion from my house, 
and also have given it to the Levite and the alien and the orphan and the widow according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed or forgotten any of your commandments. I've not eat, eaten of it while mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor offered any of it to the dead. I've listened to the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel in the ground which you have given us, a land flowing with milk and honey as you swore to our fathers. This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and ordinances. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have today declared the Lord to be your God and that you would walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments and his ordinances and listen to his voice. The Lord has today declared you to be his people, a treasured possession as he promised you, and that you should keep all his commandments, and that he will set you high above all nations which he has made for praise, fame, and honor, and that you shall be a consecrated people to the Lord your God as he has spoken. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you have spoken you have given us your word, and Lord, it is a treasure, a truth treasure. We thank you for how sharp and precise it is, for how clear and true it is, how sufficient it is. We thank you that it is our guide for our faith, Lord, that which we believe, and our practice, that which we do. We pray as we study this chapter out of Deuteronomy, God, we know in this passage it Jesus is predicted, Lord, this points forward to him coming, and we thank you that Jesus has come, and our great high priest has sacrificed, um, he's offered his body as that perfect once-for-all sacrifice that you have accepted, and because of that, we are now saved, Lord, we've been redeemed, we have been born again, we thank you for so great a salvation, we pray this morning, God, that you would instruct us in how we are to worship you. Uh, Lord, we pray you would prune areas um, where we need to grow. We pray you would correct error in our thinking and our practice, Lord, and that we would worship you this morning in uh, spirit and in truth and in a manner that is um, worthy of you, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Blueprint for worship. And so we're, this is the conclusion. You don't get a just a note there that said this is a conclusion, but if you're paying attention to where this started, and we, that's the privilege of studying the way we have over these months of uh, verse by verse through here, this concludes the second sermon, and it's very similar in a lot of ways to how the second sermon began. And so we've got instructions. Listen, the instructions are for them to obey once they're in the land. They're not in the land yet. They're on the way to the land. And once they get to the land, you see that in verse 1, then it shall be. So they're not there yet. When you enter the land, and it's clear that that land is a gift, the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, then you shall. So we've got these instructions for how they're to worship. And by the way, verses 1 through 11 is instructions around the offering of the first fruits. Then we get um, another worship service. By the way, that worship service is going to happen, look down at the end of verse 2. It's going to happen at a particular place. 
It's going to happen at the temple, the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. Well, we know from reading the rest of the Bible that's going to be Jerusalem ultimately. And, and so the first fruits offering is to be brought there to the temple. Then we get the third year tithe starting in verse 12 down to verse 15. So we've got a couple of different contexts of where they're going to worship. But they are not there yet. Instructions for how they are to worship once they are in the land. But there are some principles there's some principles that come over that are pretty clear in all of our worship that I want us to um, see and glean as we as New Testament worshipers worship God this morning. So blueprint for worship. Number one, it is a response to who God is. It is a response. There's a key, key word in there, a response. So what you're going to see here is over and over in the chapter is Yahweh's action. Here's what God has done. Here's what God has done, and therefore, here's what those who are his people, his children, should do. So worship, ultimately, is a response. It is a response. So we haven't initiated anything. God is the initiator, and we respond to the initiative. So it is a response to who God is. Now, I'm going to jump around the chapter a little bit, and I'm going to do that in this first point. Ten times in the chapter, ten times in just 19 verses, you get this phrase that you see. Look at verse 1. Then it shall be when you enter the land which the Lord your God, Yahweh your God. Drop down to verse 2. Bring some of the first of the produce of the ground which you bring in from your land that the Lord your God. God, Yahweh your God, gives you, put it in a basket, go to the place, look, we're still in verse 2, where the Lord your God, so Yahweh their God, it shows up in two times in verse 2, shows up that phrase in verse 4, 5, 10, verse 11, 13, 16, look at verse 19, he closes out the sermon, you shall be a consecrated people too, not to Yahweh, Not to Yahweh in general, but to Yahweh, listen to this, your God. And so our worship this morning, it is a response to who God is. Look at verse 15, same thought. Think about for a minute who God is. Who the Bible reveals God to be. We know God is creator. We know God is sovereign. We know he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. We know he's everywhere present we know he rules over all things we look at verse 15 look down from your holy habitation he is holy he is inhabited in heaven he this morning is looking down from his holy habitation from heaven and listen to this we then have the privilege let's blow up this kind of thinking I've got to go to church here's what we do we need to like gently lovingly smack us upside the head to say you're clearly not thinking right. God, here's what we're going to say. We've got all of Scripture. God in Christ has made a way to redeem and save us, and we have the great, high, holy privilege to worship Him, to respond. So it is a response to who God is. Our worship is in response, listen, to God's actions toward us. Look at verse 1. It's all over the place. It shall be when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you. How are they going to get some land? 
Not, you know, you've saved up since you got out of high school. You worked hard through college. You put money in the piggy bank. Now that you have arrived and you have something to buy some land with, enjoy your land. No, no, no. It's all a gift. And so our worship is 100% a response to who God is. And by the way, I would just say for an application question, number one, if we think about how great and holy and glorious and mighty God is and that he would love us, how do you think we ought to respond to him? Half-hearted or wholehearted? Enthusiastic or passive? Well, first of all, the blueprint for worship we see in this chapter, it is a response to who God is. Ten times in that chapter, Yahweh, your God, possessive. Second, it's a response further to what God has done. So it's a response to who God is. God is worthy of worship because of who he is. God is worthy of worship because of what he has done. Now, let's get a running start toward this. Look at verse 1 again. You're going to enter the land which the Lord your God gives you. Drop down to verse 15. Drop to verse 15. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people and the ground which you have given us. The language over and over and over in the chapter of this to mark their worship is, listen, they are people who have received grace. They're, they're grace recipients. God has given to them. Now I want you to go to verse 5 and we're going to unpack it. Well, we're not forgetting verses 1 through 4. We're coming back to that momentarily. Blueprint for worship, it is a response to what God has done. Here's, listen, this is oftentimes verses 5 through 9 referred to as Israel's confession of faith. It's their confession of faith. People see it as a, as a clear confession. Verse 5, you shall answer and say before the Lord your God. We're going to come back to the reality that God is speaking and they're, to, they're called to speak back. You shall answer and say before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. Now, here's what I want you to see. So, I love that line. He, he, he was a nobody. He was a nothing and a nobody. Jacob, was, uh, Jacob is in reference there. And he's over there working for his wives under Laban. And he's in Aram. And you know what he is? He is a, he's a nothing and nobody wandering Aramean. He's out there just wandering around. And he has no possessions. He has no land. He has no family. He is a wandering Aramean. God's saying, look. Here's where my people, here's what we need to remember. Think of what God has done for us in Christ and say, listen, where did this whole thing start? And we like to think of it this way. Well, I was sort of a five-star recruit for the kingdom. And you know, God early on found me at one of the combines. My 40 time was good. My vertical, you know, all, no, no, no. Here's the grace. Here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Israel was who they were because of God's amazing grace. Look at verse 5. You shall answer. Here's what you're to say when you come before the Lord in worship. My father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt. By the way, how many went to Egypt? Remember that? Seventy. Seventy people go to Egypt. Jacob, a nothing and nobody, just him. And then 70 go to Egypt. He's recounting in a concise manner God's gracious work to make Israel the great nation that they were. My father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt and sojourned there. Look, they were few in number. But look what God did. But there he became a great, mighty, 
and populist nation. They were not a nation, and now they are a nation. Look at verse 6. The Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us. Well, that's an understatement, isn't it? Remember? Hey, let's go and we're going to make this brick leg harder, right? And imposed hard labor on us. Then we cried to the Lord, cried to Yahweh, the God of our fathers. And look at this. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction and our toll and our oppression. And listen to this. Here's, here's salvation by grace alone. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt. He saved them, redeemed them, brought us out of Egypt. How did he do that versus those strong Egyptians? Well, God, Yahweh, did it with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. By the way, I think of all those plagues. That was pretty terrorizing, wasn't it? I think if you're standing in the middle of the sea when God drowns you and all those chasing Israel, you would say that was a terrorist attack. I love what Scripture says. He did this with great terror and signs and wonders. And listen to Israel's testimony. He has brought. Do you see that language over and over? Look back at verse 1. You're going to have the land which the Lord your God gives. There you're going to a land that he, verse, end of verse 9, has given, a land flowing with milk and honey. Look, what's the language? Now, behold, I have brought the first of the produce of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me. How did they get a land? How did they become a people? How did they become a nation? What in the world have they done? And, and, and by the way, here's what we're going to say. If we're not like being grounded in Scripture, we're going to say, well, well clearly there must be something good in me. And it's like, you, you all, y'all were nothing Y'all were nobody. Y'all had no possession, no land. You were not a nation. And God's saying, look at all I have done. And by the way, he's instructing them for when they're in the, in the land how to worship him. And here's our worship just should be stoked. The fire of our worship be stoked. It's like, I just need to keep in mind it's a response to who God is and what he has done for me. That ought to start the wheels turning. You know, I just, I'm not motivated to worship. Well, clearly I haven't thought of who God is and what God has done. He, verse 9, has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it is a response to what God has, has done for his people. And I love that phrase. You know what we were when we were lost? We were a bunch of wandering Arameans. We were nothings and nobodies. That's just so good. And, and no home, no possessions. We were nobodies. And God has made them into a great nation. God has given. And by the way, so... Think about this second point. We don't worship so that God will love us. I think that's what people think a lot of times. Let's go and do these things because, you know, it will, we really need God on our side. And so we, we probably need to go to Sunday school. Might need to be in worship. We, I'm sure we need to give. We probably need to not behave as badly as we tend to behave. We want God to like us. Surely if we do all those things, God will like us. I want to tell you, you will never make one half step toward God with that kind of wrong-headed thinking. God, we don't worship so God will love us. Listen to this. We worship because in Christ, God has poured out his love on us. And our worship then is a response to him. Doesn't that just change everything? So we don't come in here this morning like, you know, it's almost like God's his taskmaster and he needs something that we can somehow offer and we're going to give him something that he doesn't have. No, we have the great, high, holy privilege of worshiping him. So the blueprint for worship second is a response to what God has done. 
Third, this one probably, this could be a standalone sermon. Some of you get nervous when I say that because you think it might be. Um, insert a sermon in the middle of the sermon. Blueprint for worship, number three, it calls for active participation on the part of the worshiper. It calls for active participation on the part of the worshiper. Let me just say this. You and I need to have our understanding of worship more shaped from the Word of God than from our experience, which oftentimes in these areas has been horribly unbiblical. Let me say that again. You don't craft me an email tomorrow and say that I hurt your feelings because it'll be like, well, they probably need to be hurt. Mine and your understanding of worship needs to be crafted from the Word of God more than our experience because our experience, by and large, has been quite contrary to Scripture in a lot of ways. It calls for active participation on the part of the worship. Let me tell you how we sometimes have viewed worship in the Bible Belt. We ought to hire some folks to work at the church. and They ought to go to seminary and have a master in divinity. And let's get them trained. And then what they'll do, we'll pay them. And then we'll come in on Sunday and they'll get up there and they'll do what needs to be done and they'll do that for us. I'm going to tell you, you won't find that anywhere from Genesis to Revelation or anywhere in between. And what you see in here, this is so beautiful. This is one of those aha moments. So I told you 10 times, 10 times under the first point, you get the phrase in a chapter. So 19 verses, you say something 10 times. I'm like, that's clearly a theme, wouldn't you say, Lord your God? You've got a similar phrase here under this third point. It calls for active participation on the part of the worshiper. You know what you got nine times in this chapter? Listen to this. You shall. You shall. You shall. We're going to track it down together. What that means is worship is not to be, let's show up and watch. We're, you know, we're divine spectators. We are not divine spectators. I want you to see how beautiful this is. God has, so we're worshiping, first of all, as a response to who God is. And then, by the way, what if we were at enmity with him? No, no, no. Because of Christ, we have been saved. We have been born again. And so we worship as a response to what God has done. And then third, we get to actively participate. I promise you, I would rather in any given you, almost without exception, you might find exceptions. I can think of a few things where you said, okay, David, this activity, let's say it's a good activity. You can either watch, be a spectator, or you can be a participant. You know what I want to be? I'm one of those, like, we can go watch golf a while, and I'm like, let me get a club. You know, I don't want to go, like, to the range and watch you shoot. Come watch me shoot. I'm like, why would I do that? Are you kidding? I mean, you shoot, I shoot, Right? So worship is not, hey, we all going to come in here at 10 o'clock and we're just going to like sit here and observe, spectate, and maybe in some places critique. What do you think about what you saw? I think the music at Disney is good and music at Lagos is good. I don't know what you... Bull, bull. I think if, you know, oratory, I think that I started to name names on some that are orators and not preachers. I'm going to stay out of trouble today. But he's a more, better orator than David. And here's what I want to know. Have we heard for what God has said? Hey, by the way, let me just tell you another thing. Music is not equal to worship. Music can be part of worship. But worship's a whole. You know what the highlight of worship service is when we open the Word of God? The preaching of the glorious good news of Jesus Christ revealed from God's holy writ.
his word. It calls for active participation on the part of the worshiper. This could transform us and, and grow us greatly. All right, you say, well, David, you said there are nine. Well, put on your seatbelt. Look at verse 2. The end of verse 1 tells us God's going to give you a land. It's an inheritance. You're going to possess it. You're going to live in it. And look what you're to do. Verse 2, you shall. The you shall, Yahweh's done his part. Now that's their part. You shall do what? They have never had a crop in their life. But they're going to have some crops in there to bring the first part of that crop. You shall take some of the first of all your produce. And you know what you do? Give it back to God. Look at the end, a sort of middle verse 2. Here's how you bring your offering. You shall put it in a basket. And you go to the place. You don't do that anywhere you want. You go to the place where God chooses. Look at verse 3. Here's how you bring your offering. You shall go to the priest. So the priest who is in office at that time. So this is perpetual over time. Drop down to verse 5. After you put your offering there on the altar, guess what? You're supposed to say something. Verse 5, you shall answer and say before the Lord your God. You ought to have something to say back to God. You shall answer and say before Yahweh your God. My father was a wandering Aramean. Right, so that's their part. What are we on, number 4 or 5? I don't know. Drop down to the end of verse 10. You bring your offering in, verse 10. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. Look at verse 11. You shall rejoice. How beautiful is that? He invites us to worship him because of who he is and what he's done. And, and we're, we're commanded to rejoice. So if somebody's like looking across the congregation, here's what it says. What kind of expressions do they see? And by the way, part of rejoicing would be like, be awake. I'm thinking of preaching. Hard to rejoice if you're sleeping. Not going to call any names. Thank you for that. Rejoice before, rejoice, look, in all the good which the Lord your God has given you. Drop down to verse 12. Here's the third year tithe. This one is done in their hometown. They don't bring it to Jerusalem. You, You know what you're to do with that offering? You shall give it to the Levite, to the stranger, to the orphan, to the widow. Look at verse 13. And by the way, you just don't stand there with your mouth closed. You shall say, before the Lord your God. You, you're called to testify. Look, drop down to verse 16. Our obedience, you shall, you shall therefore be careful to do. Drop down to verse 19. You shall be a consecrated. So the you shall is so beautiful. These verbs, take, put, go, answer, set, rejoice, give, say, be. Our worship is to be, we're to be active participants. So here's what I would say. Hey, to what degree am I just sitting being a spectator? To what degree am I participating with my heart and my words? And by the way, I've heard places, I hadn't been to one of those places in a long time, and I'm grateful for that. You ever been places where somebody sort of like sent the memo like, hey, it's not cool for guys to sing to Jesus. What we all need to do is cross our arms and stand there and look like we want to fight somebody during the congregational singing. Praise the Lord. That's not this culture. We go a lot of places. I want to tell you something. What's more glorious? You shall say. You know what children need to see daddies and mamas doing? Pouring out their heart to King Jesus. We do it at Jordan, Hare, and Bright Denny. They know we can do it. We do it when the 10 point hits the ground. But what is daddy? What moves the needle? I remember a couple of the church I grew up at. I won't name them because many of you know them. They were big fans. 
orange and blue, and they would come in on Sundays. Sometimes they taught, and they would be like, well, we, we don't have a voice this morning. We screamed all day at the ball game. We can't, they couldn't talk. Wouldn't it be cool to leave congregational singing and say, man, we, we just like wore our voice out worshiping Jesus. So let me get some water before I talk to you out in the foyer. Right? That's, isn't this convicting? You shall, you shall, you shall. Here's who God is. Here's what God's done. Here, you shall, you shall, you shall. Man, thank you, God, for your grace. I've shown up so many times on the Yahweh's day, mindless spectator. Forgive us, God. Mold us to be active participants in worship. Fourth, it entails giving generously to God. Blueprint for worship. By, and by the way, people, um, somebody told me a while back, uh, in, in the Discovering Logos class, I talked about, you know, giving tithes and offering, giving generously to God. And so somebody's like, hey, just so you know, these people aren't going to be members of our church. They're mad that you talked about giving. Well, you know what? I'm mad. That they're mad. What all has God in Christ given us? And by the way, if you don't want to give any of your money to God, uh, well, let me correct that. You don't have any money. It's all God's money. And He can kill you and reveal that. Or kill me. You don't own any money. But here's what I'm going to say if you understand the gospel, you understand who God is and who we are, you understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And you don't think giving generously to God's work is a wise, glorious, and obedient thing to do? You're not ready for kindergarten, much less first grade. Keep it. Hoard it. Hold it. Sit on it. Trust God to change your heart. But there's a better way. And so it involves. So anybody says we shouldn't talk about giving at church. The Bible talks about giving. Look at this fourth point. It entails giving generously to God. All right, we're going back to um, these two. So let's go back to verse 1. These two principles running here. These two offerings. It shall be when you enter the land. So y'all going in the land. Which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. You possess it. Live in it. You shall take some of the first of all the produce. So the first fruits. So the crop's just starting to come in. You're supposed to gather up some of it. Some of the first of all the produce of the ground. Which you brought in from the land. And from your land that the Lord your God gives you. Where did the offering come from? Where did the crop come from? God gave it. Here's what giving is. Taking some of the stuff, time, talents, resources that God's given you and giving it back to him in worship. That makes complete sense, doesn't it? What about this mindset? Hey, God's given me all this stuff. Talent, time, resources, money, and I want to keep it all. Here's what I'm saying. We're not understanding worship. You shall, you shall take some of that. Verse 2, put it in a basket. Go to the place where... The Lord your God chooses to establish his name. Go into the priest who's in office at that time. And here's what you to tell him. I declare this day to the Lord my God that I've entered the land which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Priest's going to take the basket out of your hand. Set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. You shall answer. That's why I don't like, by the way, it, and maybe I'm, I don't, I'm not wrong. I mean, I, I'm often wrong. Stephanie will tell you I'm very often wrong. But um, she sees the wrongness uh, a lot. But... Have you ever seen places I have where it's like, hey, just sort of throw your offering in the thing over there in Sunday school because, you know, it's too disruptive. We don't, we don't want to disrupt the worship service with, time. you know, can you just give it back there in Sunday school? Or actually, can I just like wire it? I don't even have to think about it. No, no, no. And by the way, the, whether you do that electronically or whatever, man, we need to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. What am I doing? First of all, 
Worship is a response who God is, what God has done. Worship is a response that you shall, you shall. And God, you said, I shall. But you know what, God? I've got stuff to give you. Praise the Lord. And Lord, here's what I'm doing. We're going to write out this tithe check. We're going to put in this offering. Thank you, Lord. Lord, what a, what a, God, thank you for how you bless me. Thank you for all the spiritual blessings you poured out on me. Thank you for all the material blessings. And Lord, I want to be involved in your great kingdom work. Lord, I want to invest in your kingdom. I want Jesus to be known. I want ministry to be done in the body that I'm a part of. And Lord, I give to you with a joyful heart. That sounds a little more than drop it off in Sunday school, doesn't it? And by the way, you can drop it off in Sunday school, 52 out of 52 Sundays, blah, blah, blah. Missing the boat. Missing the boat. You say, well, that's one time. You showed me one. I'll drop to verse 12. Whole nother tithe. When you finish paying all the tithe of your increase in the third year. This is the third year tithe. Different offering. The year of tithing. You shall give it. Now, God's got a heart for the disadvantaged. We've studied that over and over and over in Deuteronomy. You know what you take that third year tithe and do? It stays local. You look around and you give it to the Levite, to the stranger, to the orphan and the widow in your town so that they may eat and be satisfied. Isn't God good? You bring them in, you invite the alien, the orphan, and the widow, come at our table. God's been so good to us. You know what? Here, we want to bless you. Isn't that a picture? And what a picture of what giving is. It entails giving generously to God. Fifth, so I say finally, there I have six. My blueprint for worship, it is focused, number five, on God, not the worshiper. It's over and over and over in the chapter. Look at the end of verse 10. I want to call this out. Blueprint for worship, true worship is focused on God, not the worshiper. You know, if we wrote the hymn, you know the hymn that we would write if we were honest and nobody in our Sunday school class was looking in on us, what we want to say, and Jesus is delivering us from this, it's really, it's all about me, isn't it? Isn't, isn't, that, what your, isn't that what your main problem is, my main problem? We want it to be about us. And we see in this blueprint for worship, it's all about God. So look at the end of verse 10. I love this. Behold, I brought the first of the produce of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. You and the Levite and the alien who is among you shall rejoice. And so what you see over and over and over in this chapter is the focus is on God, not the worshiper. Look at the, there's a prayer here. Look at verse 15. Look at the prayer. All right, let's get a running start at verse 14. End of verse 14. Here's what you're to say. I've listened to the voice of the Lord my God. I've done according to all that you have commanded me. Listen to this prayer. Look down from your holy habitation, from heaven. Well, here's a supplication. And bless your people, Israel. And the ground which you've given us. God, you give good gifts. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. God, you always do what you say you're going to do as you swore back there to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As you swore to our fathers. And so fifth is focused on God, not the worshiper. Six, finally, it's authenticated, it's proven, it's validated, it's, it's demonstrated to be real or phony by obedience to God's command. It's authenticated or not by obedience to God's command. Look at verse 16. Well, you got it, verse 16. It's the end of a, it's the end of a major sermon. Started back chapter 4. Major long sermon. And look what it is. It's a covenant renewal. Think wedding. It's a covenant renewal. Vows being taken. God vows 
calls on them to vow. So here at the covenant renewal, and here's what he's saying. So this reality, we're, we're in a context of worship, and our worship is either proven to be real or revealed to be phony by our obedience to God's word. Have you ever been, I have, you ever been where somebody would um, get up and teach a lesson or sing a solo and you go like, mm, that ain't who she really is. Right? And everybody, a lot, a lot of times, a lot of people in the room are going like, whoo, she can sing, or he can sing, or he can teach, but I know, I know, right? Do you think, by the way, if you think people can see that, you think God can see it? Clearly he can see it. And I love this verse 16 when he closes out this sermon, how he does it. Look at verse 16. Blueprint for worship is authenticated by obedience to God's commands. It's heavy. This day, look, there's a particular day right there at the end of that sermon. So Moses is gathered with them. He's preaching. It's a future day that started at verse 1 for the first fruits offering. It's three years after that that they were to do the third year, starting in verse 12, tithe. But now, let me tell you what Moses does. He's sort of like he's at the end of his sermon. He closes it out with a call to action. Here's his call to action. This day, he's talking about right here, right now. This day, the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and ordinances. He just moved, he moved beyond just a context of worship now, hadn't he? You shall therefore be careful to do them. So, you know, God's presiding, but I love this. Moses is the mediator. Boy, that points to the coming mediator, doesn't it? But Moses is the mediator here. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. By the way, that, that heart of worship, how we respond to our heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm present here. No, no, no. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. Listen to what he says next. I told you it's covenant renewal. You have today declared the Lord to be your God. Now, I'm just going to tell you, i got to pause there. You could be in here today, and you have never taken a stand to place your faith in Christ alone. You could be here. Here's what I would say. What an opportunity you have this morning. That's a command to obey, but I love what he says. You have today. Think of how serious what they have done. You've today declared Yahweh to be your God. And let me tell you what else you've said. That you would walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments, and his ordinances and listen to his voice. Now, I told you it's about God declaring. That's what they've declared. Look at verse 18. The Lord has today declared you to be his people a treasured possession as he promised you, and that you should keep all his commandments. So they're saying they're going to obey God's commandments. God's saying they're going to obey his commandments. Look at verse 19. Here's what he's going to do. He will set you high above all nations. By the way, they're going to be the light, right? Israel. That was God's plan. By the way, we know they largely failed. Right? This is missionary in theme here. He will set you high above all nations, which he, who, which he has made. Who made the nations? USA, stamped, made by God. We're a nation made by... Now that, 
By the way, if he can make you, he can break you. Right? Agree? Let's don't forget who's the maker and breaker of nations. He will set you high above all nations which he has made. And, and it's all ultimately for his praise, fame, and honor. And by the way, you got a part in that. You got to live it out that you shall be a consecrated people to the Lord your God. Be a faithful people. Be a people loyal to him, devoted to him, sticking with him. You shall be a consecrated people to the Lord your God as he has spoken. So this reality that we've, we've oftentimes said, you know what? Well, I go to church on Sundays and I say some things and I do some things. But then I live like I want to. And, you know, because I prayed a prayer, cried a bunch or something back when I was little, got wet or something, somehow I'm right with God. No can do. Now, listen to this. God said if we, if we know him, if we're his people, we're a people who worship him, who respond God's action, our response. And listen, we're a people who obey him. By the way, you say, well, I'm, that's the law of Moses, David. Well, let's go to the law of Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. The proof in the pudding to see if we're in the kingdom is do we obey God's word? Assurance. If we got obedience, no, so, so if I obey, then God will like me and save me. Nope. That's not gospel thinking. No, I stand in receipt of this great divine love that Christ has poured out on us. And one of the ways I honor God and show my love back to him is walking carefully in accordance and obedience to his word. The blueprint for worship is authenticated by obedience to God's command. Listen to what Peter does with almost this exact phrase. 1 Peter 2, I'm almost done. Verse 9. New Testament church. But you, Logos, we could say, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Wow. For a purpose, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, we talk about missionary. Isn't this glorious? How many of you look at the world and you go like, man, this world's in a mess. First grader figured that out. God needs to send some people. <laughs> God needs some people in this world. He needs people to help the world see they're a mess and that Jesus is better than. Guess what? That is us. That's our purpose. Right there from... You, those of you that are in Christ, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So we can sit and sing kumbaya, bolt the doors, not let anybody different in from us that's sinful and profane and pagan. No, 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 no. They need Jesus so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Y'all, we were a bunch of wandering Arameans in the dark. We were nobodies. We had nothing. God called us, right? It's, it's the same gospel from Deuteronomy, from Genesis to all the way to the end. For you were, verse 10, not a people. Isn't that Deuteronomy 26, verse 5? Few, tiny. You were not a people. 
sit up straight, but now you're the people of God. That's glorious. Somebody will say amen. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that glorious and wonderful? Blueprint for worship is authenticated by our being obedient to God's commands to proclaim his excellency so people can see how great Jesus is by looking at us. We were a bunch of wandering Arameans that God saved. Let's apply the truth in a couple ways and I'm done. We've said it. We'll reinforce it. First of all, ponder the high and holy privilege of worshiping God. Like, um, I remember when I was um, right out of college and um, we were doing, I was working for a sales company like remotely. You go home and plug your big, big computer, you know, like big as a suitcase. And um, most all the time, we had a lot of problems with our computer in those early days. But, you know, how many of you call the help desk and you wait for like 15 minutes and they tell you to reboot? And like 95% of the time, what? Turn it off, unplug it, wait two minutes, turn it back on. You're like, man, you're awesome, Right? We need to reboot our thinking about worship. We need to reboot. Well, at Grandma's church, hopefully Grandma's church was a good church. Praise the Lord for them. Well, at the church I lived when I was in college, take all the good, but hey, our worship needs to be shaped from the Word of God. And by the way, God's doing that, but we need to keep blowing that up. Listen to this from John Calvin. It's so good. Worship involves acknowledging God acknowledging God right? by the way not arguing with debating critiquing well I no 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 I love this worship involves acknowledging God to be as he is the only source of all virtue justice holiness wisdom truth power goodness mercy life and salvation and thus, he goes on to say, worship is to, look, ascribe and render to him the glory of all that is good, to seek all things in him alone, and every want to have recourse to him alone. And that's a good word, isn't it? We need to, we need to reboot and ponder the high and holy privilege of worshiping God. Second, reflect on where God has saved us from. I struggled with the grammar of this. Let me see if I can explain it. Reflect on our wandering Aramean previous status. Reflect on where God has saved us from and compare that to our glorious riches now in Christ. Darkness to light. We were not a people, but now we're the people of God. Ponder how great a salvation. Look where God has brought us from. And I love that. He takes them back. They look across there as Moses is preaching. They're ready getting ready to go in the land and there are people hundreds of thousands of people as far as you can see God said this is not where you started where you started is way back there you were a wandering shepherd and you had nothing you didn't have a name you didn't have a penny to your name and man that we that keeps let me tell you what that'll do that'll keep us as Christians very very humble reflect where God has saved us from in our glorious riches in Christ third dispel blow up get rid of the idea that we are spectators God has called us to actively worship him. I think I can rightly say that there's only one spectator to worship when we are worshiping. And let me tell you what else. I was pondering this last night, so 
It's like, oh, things, I don't ever want, I, I often pray, Lord, help me to say everything I need to say. Help me not to say anything I don't need to say. So I've been pondering this overnight. I believe with all my heart that a lot that is called worship in our day, in our culture, is far from worship. I think a lot of places that get together and say they have spent the last hour or 90 minutes worshiping, and on God's scale, when I compare that to his word, he might not have been worshiped at all. We need to dispel the idea that we are spectators. God has called us to actively worship him. Finally, see how our worship is either validated or discredited by our obedience to God's word. Right, that connection, what we offer to God in worship, to our daily walk, how I relate at home, how I speak to my wife, how I interact with my children, how I do business in my job, how I do business at the restaurant, how I live out, or see how our worship, so we can't come in here and say, you know what, I'm going to behave one way out there, but God, <clears throat> now, I want, you, you see how, he, God, and by the way, doesn't that just make complete sense? Do you want to have human relationships that people treat you one way when they're relating to you, like in your presence, and another way? Right, that just makes total sense, but see how our worship, I love the, the closing ceremony. Man, verse 18, the Lord has today declared you to be his people. Wow, that's grace, isn't it? He looks down from heaven. Israelites, man, they're a sinful bunch of people. Look at all they went on. But no, no, he's, he's got a plan for this people. The Lord has today declared you to be his people, a treasured possession. You know what? He, he was on record. As he promised you, you know, your part in that, you keep all his commandments. And let me tell you what he's going to do. He's going to set you high above all nations. Which is, isn't, isn't God good? So see how our worship is validated or discredited by our obedience to God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Um, Lord, it is so very clear, it's so convicting. Um, we thank you for great grace that you have poured out on us. We thank you for the passive language of that chapter, the passive language of Scripture, that um, salvation is not an accomplishment uh, that we can somehow obtain, but it is a gift that we receive. Thank you for Christ. We thank you for all that you have given us in Christ. Lord, I thank you for a body that's... Um, authentic in our love for you and our commitment to your word and Lord we want to worship you the way you have directed what you have commanded Lord I pray that we would respond and worship the way you would have us to I thank you that you have privileged, privileged us in Christ to be able to participate in worship Lord um, break down the strongholds of thinking that we're somehow spectators or observers or critics um, grow us I pray in these areas we 
Uh, thank you that, God, you are a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, and that you have um, sworn according to your word, Lord, you have declared how you will save. We thank you that we see your promise fulfilled, Lord, to Israel in Christ's coming. Uh, Lord, future promises yet to be fulfilled. We thank you for the church, the blood-bought bride of Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, that we are your people. You're set apart for your purposes. Lord, we are responsible to proclaim Christ's excellencies. So, Lord, we pray you would give us power, uh, the will, the power, the ability to live out these truths. Lord, I thank you for the way you have um, grown us over the years in the um, worship hour, Lord. And we want that to be marked as um, focused on you. We want that to be pleasing in your sight want it to be a response to who you are it's revealed in your word we want to respond grateful hearts for what you have done Lord we want to sing with our hearts we want to pray with our hearts we want to give wholeheartedly we want to preach wholeheartedly Lord we want to do all of those things wholeheartedly Lord we want to go out of here obeying your word wholeheartedly and so God we pray you will give us grace uh, uh, to do that would you build up your church Lord would you launch us on mission thank you for how you're doing that and Lord that we would go far and wide and share the power that Yahweh has to take wandering Arameans and make them into Christ workmanship Lord thank you for so great a salvation thank you for our great Savior King Jesus and we pray this in his name Amen I invite you to stand and sing and respond.